Today on the show, you're talking about investing your hard-earned money. For me, I want to make sure that I'm confident. I'm convinced. Ryan Hennessy has more than 30 years in the commercial real estate industry, currently works as a senior vice president for Avis and Young, but he wanted to put all of that deep learning about the commercial real estate industry into a book, a book that he has titled simply The Due Diligence Handbook for Commercial Real Estate. It lays it out step by step, all the things you need to do before you ever start a commercial real estate deal. Hi, Brian. Thanks for making time for us. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on your show. So after 30 years in the commercial real estate business, you decided to share that knowledge. Why did you want to do that? I mean, especially after three decades, you'd think you'd probably, uh, you're probably done with this business. Why did you want to kind of leap back into it and kind of quantify everything that you had uh, built up over the years? Well, that's a good question, Danny. Um, What happened is uh, actually I did not intend for my book, The Due Diligence Handbook for Commercial Real Estate, to be a a book written for the public. As a matter of fact, I wrote it for myself as a reference manual. And what happened was after 18 years of being a broker, commercial broker, a client of mine had started in a real estate investment firm and asked me to come over and be his vice president of acquisitions and dispositions. And I thought, oh, you know what? That would be a natural slide. Yeah, sure, I can do that. So um, I went to work for him. And what I found out quite quickly was being a commercial broker and being an acquisition person are very different. And the first couple of transactions that we did were fairly large office building transactions. And what happened was we were buying these from a Canadian investment firm and the vice president of the firm who was in charge of selling them quickly surmised that I was a neophyte when it came to purchasing large office properties as a buyer. And what happened was he took me to school and I was so stressed out because there was, I had all these legal pads in front of me and I'm writing down all the questions I asked and what answers I was waiting for and what other things that I need to take care of. And what happened was as the due diligence period wore on, it was getting more and more stressful. The heat was getting turned up and people were um, asking me for um, information, what certain things that, you know, they needed, the real estate attorney, the CPA, the mortgage broker. And quite frankly, I couldn't wait for the process to end. And then a couple of weeks after it did end, what happened was a bunch of these items started coming up that I didn't get and slipped through the cracks. And and it was quite embarrassing and humiliating and in some instances even expensive. And so I decided that I can't do this every time I go out and buy a piece of investment property. I'm going to create a reference manual for myself that had all the questions they asked, the issues to review, checklists, et cetera. And I did that over a six-year period. And we bought about 9 million square feet all over the country. In, a, in that short period of time with a very small team of people. So we really had to be on our A game. 
And what happened was every time I learned a new lesson, I would, you know, put that in my reference manual. And then when I decided to go back into the brokerage end of the business, I, I discovered that after being out of it for a long time, um, it, it had changed and marketing was different. And so I decided, well, how, how am I going to differentiate myself? Well, I think I'll take my um, reference manual and I'll create an investor handbook with it. And I'll just put it up on Amazon. And so I could tell people I got it up on Amazon and here it is. And I was a buyer. And, and what I found out was people started buying the book. And I was like, wow, they must think this information is useful. And the first few copies, it was like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty cool. But then uh, I started selling more copies. And then I, I took a course to, to, that taught how to market books properly. And I decided, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well get a professional cover, get some reviews, put some stories in it. And I, I did that. And I put it back up on Amazon. And then it took off. And it, blows my mind today that it would ended up uh, being a number one bestseller of commercial real estate books on Amazon. So, and I think part of that is there's not, there was nothing on there that was explain the due diligence uh, process. And I created the system for myself because I just didn't want to be stressed out all the time. And um, I always say having an adhering to a proven system to conduct due diligence allows you to do it faster, easier, more efficiently, and you're less likely to miss something. I like that story because um, you're, you know, you're not too shy to admit that even after 18 years in the business, um, you were making mistakes when you went over to um, this other end of the business. And it reveals, I think, the importance of creating a, a systematized process, which every, I think, business guru will tell, you know, a young entrepreneur to do. But it's difficult, I think, for a lot of guys to do that, guys and girls to do that, to actually sit down and, and work out what the process is going to be and, and follow that systematically. Can you talk a little bit about that, about why that is so important, especially in a real, in a real estate uh, investing kind of context? Sure. Um, the issue was I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's what most investors uh, don't know out there. They don't know what they don't know. Right. So they just go ahead and they muddle through the process. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after my uh, seminars or read my book and said, I wish I would have had this information when I first started out or, or the last deal I did or whatever. And what happens is uh, once you determine, you know, because let's face it, due diligence is not a very sexy part of the business. It's hard work. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to drill down. You got to do a lot of uh, investigating and peeling back and and searching out. But I tell people it's the crux, the essence of real estate investing because rarely is the uh, purchase price that you go into escrow with or go under contract with the same. You're not valuing it the same after you've done your due diligence properly towards the end of your due diligence period. Why? Because you've uncovered all the issues, all the problems, 
all either whether they be physical, mechanical, financial, uh, leases, uh, the market, whatever the case may be, all of those things factors actually that you finally say, you know what, that this is I didn't know about these issues. Now these are all affecting the value of this property. I'm going to go back to the seller and I'm going to tell them, hey, you know, when I went under contract with this thing, I didn't know about all these other issues. Now, based on my findings here, this is what I'm willing to to pay for the property. I'm going to need a discount of this amount. And here's why. And you lay it out for them. And I talk about that in my new video course uh, about how to do that uh, in, in a manner that is actually much more compelling and uh, logical to explain to the seller. If you do it, I always say it's not, you know, what you're saying, it's how you say it, right? And if you come off arrogant, like, no, I need uh, $300,000 off this property because I found a bunch of problems. Good luck. He's going to cancel the escrow (laughs) probably five minutes after you hang up the phone, right? Or whatever the case may be. So you got to know how to do these things. But I will tell you this, nothing in the... 35 years I've been doing this, I got to tell you something, this thing has not changed. And that's, you make your money on the buy, you realize the value on the sale. Okay. So super important. You get that ingrained in your mind. I can tell you that once you learn these principles, these tactics and these, these techniques, and you get this in your mindset, you'll never again, look at a real estate investment the same way. Well, you mentioned arrogance there, and I wonder if you could guesstimate of, you know, major commercial real estate deals, how often a really good due diligence process is not followed. I mean, how common is it, do you think, that people and businesses are not really dotting the I's, crossing the T's when it comes to due diligence? Um, Is it done well enough, do you think? Well... At the risk of sounding arrogant myself, (laughs) I would say the vast majority of investors out there don't do it properly. And the reason I know that is uh, I've been doing this for so long and I've dealt with some of the biggest uh, institutional owners out there and seen how they've done it, buying properties from us and, and buying properties from them, that I can tell you that it would blow your mind if you saw it. You would assume that these folks, you know, are the ones that really know what they're doing, right? But the fact of the matter is that many times that is not the case. And so um, that's why I tell people you're so much further ahead than the average investor out there when when you learn this information that you will see for yourself. Please don't take my word for it. Prove it to yourself because then you'll truly believe it. And I think the reason is, and you mentioned this earlier, is that it's boring and it's hard. And um, maybe also it's there's a bit of an unknown. What should I be looking into? Which is why the handbook is so useful. So let's leap into it. Obviously, we're not going to have time to cover everything in the handbook today. But why don't we hit some of the the high points? Um, starting at that kind of early part of your due diligence process, do you want to maybe pick out a, a one or two things that you would really recommend our audience ensure that they do when they enter into their due diligence process? Sure. Uh, I think uh, one of the things I learned as an acquisition person was you really need to sift through your your market carefully. Now, if you're just investing locally, 
that's not a you know a big deal because you if you've been in the market for a while and you've been you're looking at all your sale and lease comps etc and you've been following them it's a little bit easier for you right it's a lot more easy but if you're going into a different market that you're not totally familiar with then you really need to peel back the layers and drill down and find out hey you know what are the uh recent uh, sale comps in the area, lease comps, uh, historical uh, occupancy. Uh, what's what are some of the trends going on in the area? What are some new projects coming out? What are going to be my competitive? What's my competitive set once I buy this property? In other words, the, the properties you're competing with. Um, you know all of those things, and it just amazes me that people will get into a property and they come to a meeting of the minds on the price. And then as they're going along, it's like, whoa. Um, or they, they may not even have checked out and drilled down into the, the valuation of the property deep enough where they find out there's a reason why you're buying this for a low price per square foot. That's because this area has been suffering for a long time, right? I tell people, you know, Usually, if you're buying it for a very low price per square foot, there's a reason behind it, right? Yeah, there's a tendency for uh, business people to get a bit of a deer in the headlights or a fixation on the deal, especially if there's going to be a, a really low price or something. Uh, and uh, they just don't look at the broader context that it's happening in and sort of just get caught up in the the thing itself rather than in its larger context. Right. Kind of a shiny object uh, syndrome or totally. I, I say like uh, especially price per square foot i when people are always bragging about that it's like a i say it's like a moth to a flame you know <laughs> it's it just they have to buy it cuz it's only 50 dollars a foot well when you d- dive into it it's like okay look in the area there's been a number of properties been on the market for 50 dollars a foot for a long time and they're not selling there's a reason for that you know do you want to pick that thread up a little bit and talk again about um, some of the other checks, uh, points on, yeah, on yeah, your yeah. checklist? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's, there's all, there's a lot of things that I go through in, in the book and the course um, that basically walks people through a roadmap of these are things you need to be familiar with. These are things you need to know about. These are things that you want to have part of your toolkit when you're out there looking at an investment property because it's like having, it's like a a pilot with a pre-flight checklist, right? It's like there's a reason they might have have flown, you know, 5,000 flights, but the, the, the reason they do that is they don't want to forget something. Right. And I always say, you know, we need reminding as much as we need learning, especially with real estate investments. There are way too many uh, factors that can, um, you know, basically have a, a negative effect on value if you're not paying attention. Right. And it could be sometimes one little thing that that ends up being the one that gives in, giving you the most grief. The sellers don't come to you with a list of problems saying, oh, by the way, you're going to need to know about all these issues here. They're hoping you don't find them, most of them, right? Yeah, so you've talked about the kind of the larger context that the the building might be in. Can you talk about the building itself and really getting an understanding of 
its problems. How do you do that? Um, especially when you talk about, let's talk, you know, say structural or mechanical. Um, how do you know that you're getting the, the, the real good, the straight goods about the health of the, the actual building? Well, there, you know, there, there's things that you can learn uh, for yourself as well. But I always tell people, you know, no matter where you are, if you're in a, a different city that you're not familiar with or your own city, you should start assembling. If you're going to be a serious real estate investor, start assembling a real estate team that you can work with. When I say that, I mean, you're, you know, a good real estate attorney, a good uh, CPA that understands, you know, real estate and real estate tax laws and and uh, also a good in, a contractor inspector that understands uh, what to look for and give you a, a good, re, you know, straightforward report on what things are. Environmental people, if you're buying those kind of properties, uh, great mortgage brokers that you work with that can help you negotiate good loans. I mean, good real estate brokers that are knowledgeable and give you the straight scoop on, on, uh, you know, what's going on in the market and what is favorable or negative or things to look out for, what areas are, you know, are up and coming, which ones are declining, et cetera. So you need to make sure that you're assembling a good team of people. And if you, if you do that, you're, you're going to be in a much better position to optimize your chances of of uh, identifying a good investment once you, you know, you, you get an opportunity presented to you because uh, knowing how to do all that is really a large part of uh, becoming a successful real estate investor. The, the one thing about due diligence that I emphasize to uh, people out there that are looking to invest in or are already investors in, real estate is once you are comfortable with the due diligence process and really feel confident and competent in it, really you can get dropped in any city anywhere and be able to figure out, you know, what's a good investment and what isn't in a very short period of time. Does that process include um, talking with the existing or even former tenants? Like, do you want to get that personal insight to the building? Or are you mostly looking at the more like the raw data rather than the more, I don't know, personal kind of uh, perspective on things? Good question. You're looking at both actually. Um, And I always tell people that if you're looking to buy a leased investment, you definitely do not want to pass up the opportunity to interview the tenant or tenants because they're the folks that spend the most time at the property. They're going to give you the most information if you learn how to do it properly than any other uh, source of information you're going to get. For instance, let's say you're buying a, um, a retail center or you're buying an office building, or you're buying an industrial um, project that has, you know, multi-tenants in it, and or even apartments for that matter. And 
you go in and you finally get the opportunity to interview the tenants and you start asking them the, the questions about the property. Are there any security issues or any problems with the property? What's your biggest gripe about the property? What do you like best about it? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch. I have a whole list of questions in the back of the book and, and, I, and I go through a mock interview in the uh, video course that uh, gives you an idea of how to conduct a tenant interview. But I, I got to tell you, I've gotten more information from tenant interviews than any single source uh, about the uh, physical, mechanical, and all, all other issues in terms of the, the way the property uh, operates from tenant interviews. And in certain instances, I've actually passed on the opportunity based on the information I collected just from the tenant interviews. Mm. You mentioned something that uh, you can get a lot of information on tenant interviews if you do it right. And you mentioned that you have a more fulsome list in the book and the video series. But can you maybe pick out one or two questions, things that maybe the average buyer may not think to ask that can be um, really useful to kind of gleaning exactly what the state of the property is? Well, I mean, you know, I just mentioned what are, are there any, you know, physical issues with the property that uh, have been occurring you'd like to see, you know, fixed? Uh, are there security issues with the property? Have you Can you explain any bad experiences you have with the property? How does a current landlord operate the property? What would you like to see different done differently here? Do, is there any current litigation pending right now between you and the landlord? You know, just a question like that, uh, I used to ask regularly, but there were a few times where they said, as a matter of fact, yes, we are in litigation with the landlord. Well, that was a huge red flag for me right there, and, and it actually saved us a bunch of money, right, by knowing that. So, you know, depending upon who the tenant is, how long they've been in the property, you know, what kind of property it is, they can give you a lot of insight. Um, can you talk about whether or not, or how important, I guess I should say, the regulatory environment is uh, when you're doing your due diligence? That is, you know, what the rules and regs are at the municipal, um, you know, state and, and federal level. Is that something that should be taken into account prior to purchase, or, or is it pretty stable on that front usually? No, I, I, I look. It depends on where you live. Where where I'm located in Los Angeles, it's extremely onerous. So you definitely want to uh, do your 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 checking and 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 going down to the municipal department of wherever the property is located to find out if there are any code violations, any new. Uh, requirements for compliance coming up that may affect the property you're looking to buy, uh, anything on record that you should know about. I mean, sometimes uh, you'll, you'll find out a bunch of information with that. Um, obviously, is it ADA compliant, which is Americans with Disabilities Act? You want to make sure nothing's going to, if anything's going to trigger you having to redo the restrooms or, you know, handicap access, et cetera, that, that can get very expensive, by the way. So very important you check that out. I, I always tell people, well worth a trip down to the city to find out what's going on. So I have a question that um, maybe is a little bit impolite, uh, but I think a lot of guys think about this when they're entering into deals, which is 
how often in your 30 years have you entered into negotiations where it was revealed that the person on the other side was was really a bad faith actor that was really trying to put one on put one over on you uh, was not was keeping information from you um, and was essentially lying to your face is that how rare is that or how common is that I guess as another way to put it well look I like to <laughs> I've I've run across a number of them uh, over my career. I think people are generally good, but and sometimes it's not even intentional when they omit things. They may not. They just may not know. I've actually brought things up to people about their properties they had no idea about, and I I could tell they had no idea about it. And uh, but um, I'm a big big believer in verifying and substantiating, right? And it's like, if I ask for a piece of information and they go, no, no, that's already been taken care of. Okay, great. Can you please send me the cancel check showing that you settled that already or right? That's why it's very important to have a, a uh, uh, tracking system. And I always uh, tell people do that through email. Even if you had a conversation on the phone, you always follow it up with an email so you can track it, right? Worst case scenario is if they don't get you inf- the information and you and by the time you close escrow and you find out later you never got it, you have a piece of paper to go into court with saying, I requested it three times. They never gave it to me. Can you, Here's the emails. Yeah, that's great advice. Verify. Trust, but verify. <laughs> Trust, but that's, that was Reagan's, yeah. Ronald Reagan's yeah. big thing. With this, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so, but that's, you know, I would like to think that people are, are straight, but look, you're talking about investing your hard-earned money. For me, I want to make sure that I'm confident. I'm convinced that that is the case. And when you do that, you're going to sleep a lot better. And in the long run, you're going to not have any surprises or hopefully very few once you close escrow. Uh, We're getting short on time, but uh, maybe as an exit question, I would go with uh, maybe some horror stories. (laughs) I'm sure you mentioned in your own career that uh, the reason you wanted to build the checklist because you made some mistakes. And I'm sure since the book has come out, you've had a lot of stories shared with you by other people. Um, Can you kind of just to really emphasize the the need again, why this is so necessary, share share some 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 of the worst? Yeah, sure. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a couple of stories that'll probably uh, underscore and highlight the importance sure. of, of learning how to do proper due diligence. Um, we were buying a portfolio of office properties, and let me just say this before I go into the story: that the techniques, strategies, and principles that I teach uh, uh, regarding due diligence are applicable to the smallest properties to the largest ones and from all the genres of investment real estate. So whether you're talking multifamily properties or retail, industrial office, they apply to them all. And I don't care if you're talking about a four unit or a 400 unit apartment project or whatever the case may be, right? So that being said, let me tell you about, we were buying uh, an office portfolio from a very large uh, office property owner in the U S one of the biggest. And what happened was we had a 30 day due diligence, 30 day close. It was about 1.8 million square feet. So we were, I called up the property manager and I said, we're going to need to walk each and every, um, 
tenant suite in the properties. And she said, no, that's impossible. We'll never be able to do all that. And I said, then we better get started right away because we have to walk each and every one. So the next day we're in there and I had a rent roll in my hand. We're walking through one of the buildings and we're up on the seventh floor and I was looking for suite 702, 3,500 square feet. It was vacant. I, we walked around, we walked around again. I said, I can't seem to locate suite 702. Do you know what happened to it? She says, no, let me get back to you on that one. Well, she got back to me the next day on it and said, okay, I found out what happened. The suite on the one side of it took the majority of the space. And then the, eventually the, the tenant on the other side took the remaining space. I said, but you never took it off the rent wall. It shows 3,500 square feet there. Well, if, if I didn't verify that, if I used, a, let's say, a $24 annual rent on it, right, and there was a $14 a net rent on it, and that ends up being somewhere around $750,000, uh, if I took that annual a net operating income of $14 on the 3,500 square feet, and I used a six capitalization rate, it's about $750,000 in value I would have been looking to capture that was non-existent. So it shows you what the values that you could be missing out on. I don't think they intentionally left it on there. I just think that, but because I insisted on walking all of the suites, I found that out, right? Another time I was buying a uh, 377-room full-service hotel from a internationally known hotelier. This particular hotel, they had bought in a portfolio and it wasn't their flag, but uh, they were still operating it. And when, while we were buying it, I said, I'm going to need to walk all of the guest rooms. And they said, well, that's impossible. That's We're not going to disrupt guests like that. We'll let you walk 20% of them. I said, no, I'm going to have to walk them all. So in the meantime, um, I'm interviewing the vendors. And one of the vendors said to me, you know, they have a number of rooms in the hotel that are out of service due to mold issues. And I said, no, I wasn't aware of that. Could you tell me how many? And he said, I'm not sure, but I, I hear there's quite a few of them. I said, okay, well, thanks for letting me know. So after he left, my next call was to the seller. And I said, if we don't get to walk each and every a uh, hotel room here, we're canceling escrow. And they said, okay, fine. So we ended up walking all the hotel rooms and found out that there was 55 wow. rooms out of service due to uh, mold issues. I ended up I ended up getting a $2.5 million discount off the purchase price. Now, would I have gotten that from them had I closed escrow and sued them? And yeah, I might have, and I might not have gotten that much. But I can tell you one thing, probably would have taken years of litigation and a lot of legal fees. And who knows if I would have got that amount. I don't mean to be naive, but um, we were talking about bad faith actors before. Um, should I be so shocked that a well-known international hotelier company would be that bald-faced and trying to put one over on you? One thinks like a company of that size would be a little bit more, I don't know, play by the rules. Perhaps I am being naive. Well, that 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 obviously is an assumption that a lot of people would make had they not been involved with doing a lot of projects of due diligence. But I can tell you right now that uh, I don't care who it is, you need to verify and you need to do your due diligence. As I always say, assume nothing. If you have to assume anything, you assume there's a bunch of problems that be discovered that you haven't um, figured out what they are yet. 
because each and every deal that you go into will have issues. I don't care how well maintained it's been. Well, Brian, you've been really generous with your time today. I appreciate you making time. I know that you had a deal or an offer for the audience uh, very generously of you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, I completed my video course, the due diligence video course for commercial real estate. And in it, I teach the deep dive principles of uh, conducting due diligence. And basically what it has is 16 modules that has all the tactics, techniques, strategies, the step-by-step things that you need to do to properly conduct due diligence. It also has transcripts, action items at the end of each one. Uh, in order to get you fast-tracked and start it right away. And um, it also has uh, a lot of free forms, templates, leases, proposals, uh, loan term sheets, uh, all sorts of valuable information checklists. So by the time you're through going through the course, you are armed and dangerous for going out there and knowing what to do when you uh, conduct due diligence on uh, real estate investments. I always say you want to know by the time you get towards the end of your due diligence uh, process, whether so you can make an informed and intelligent decision to move forward or not, because sometimes the best deals you do are the ones you don't do. So, uh, but what I want to offer up to your um, listeners out there is a special discount. And when you go to Impact Coaching Systems, that's impactcoachingsystems.com forward slash courses. And what you'll do is put in the code uh, when you're enrolling NARE25, you'll get a 25% discount off of any of the, the packages. So, um, but I will tell you this, it's a no risk. I offer a 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. If you aren't convinced that this course is at least worth 10 times what you paid for it, I think you're going to see that it's worth, I think, 100 times what you paid for it, at least. Um, then you just ask for your money back, and I'll be happily refunding it to you because – this information, you will end up considering uh, one of the best real estate investments you ever made. And I I don't say that flippantly. I'm I'm that confident that you're going to get that much out of it. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. We'll be back in one week's time. In the meantime, be sure to rate and comment on the podcast at Apple Podcasts. We'll see you soon.